0: So I saw something the other day. Yeah, what's up? Uh, an interview with Brian Flynn where he was saying that the success of Steak Mountain means that there's a lot of other cool opportunities like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle van.
1: No, he did he say that? Yeah. I've been watching some of his the videos. He did one with um, Pixel Dan. I was going to say P. Danny because that's his Instagram. He changed his name to <laughs> P. Danny. I don't give a shit about the van. No, that's not true. I would love the van and would buy it. I want a fucking android. I want like twelve inch, two foot tall. I don't care how tall it is. Android body for Krang. That's what I want. Yeah. I sent them a question if they were they had that on the on the docket um, where you can like ask them anything. Mm-hmm. We'll see. He hasn't addressed it yet, but he did get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of questions. Yeah. Let's get into it. Welcome to episode nine of Play With It, Stay At Home Edition, where we talk toys, board games, and other things we should have outgrown. My name is Carl, and with me, the rock steady to my bebop, Noah. All right, all right, all right. (laughs) We just had a discussion about uh, Matthew McConaughey, so of course, do that again. Yeah. for the tape. Do it for the tape. I
0: speci- <laughs> I specifically said we should talk about this on the podcast, and Carl was like, no. So uh, I definitely uh, have to force it onto the podcast. Hopefully it survives yep. editing.
1: I, I was just being contrarian. I didn't actually <laughs> believe
0: we shouldn't do it. All right. Well, let's hurry up and get this over with. I'm very excited about this podcast, but I have some Final Fantasy VII Remake to get back to. So... <laughs> Uh, unless you can give me uh, some Knights of the Round materia somehow. <laughs> uh, I'm not interested, too interested
1: in this. <laughs> uh, uh, fresh out, buddy. Fresh out. Oh, crap. All right. Well, uh, first, I just want to say uh, we haven't really addressed it yet because we record these things uh, in advance. But everybody out there in, uh, in the world with the uh, current situation with COVID and everything, We just hope that everybody's being safe and everybody's okay and healthy because I thought about whether we should address it or not, but I thought it'd be stranger if we just ignored it completely. So (laughs) I think the right thing to do is just to kind of make sure everybody's doing okay and staying at home. And we hope that we'll get out of this soon. Uh, Otherwise, just chill at home and do the best you can with what you got.
0: Yeah, I just hope everyone's taking care of themselves the best they can i know it's hard for everyone from the top down the people still having to go outside every day and the people trapped inside it's it's hard different ways and uh i don't think anyone in the world has not been affected by this now or at least in the united states so we're just thinking about you guys and yeah i think we'll all get through this we'll all uh be able to get through and still be able to play with our toys at the end of the day as long as we make smart decisions and uh, everything will hopefully get closer to normal sooner than later.
1: Yeah. We just uh heard that they're uh canceling uh San Diego Comic-Con uh at the time of this taping and uh it's a bummer, but it's definitely the right call. So, hopefully uh you know there's a lot of cool events that happen at the end of the year um fourth quarter. So hopefully those will still be around. I like to go to Baltimore Comic-Con a lot, so I'm kind of hoping that'll still happen, it being usually in September.
0: Yeah, enough of this modeling shit. (laughs) All right. I'm
1: excited about what we have coming up. (laughs) But there's a couple things we want to talk about first. Sure. Uh, All right, so today's really cool. We're going to talk about this action figure Kickstarter that we want to get into with Todd McFarlane and Spawn. And we have a really neat interview, our first interview that we think came out pretty great.
0: Yeah, we've got this great interview with David Arshavsky. He played a part in a lot of our childhoods, and uh, it was a real treat to get to talk to him um, and get kind of an insight. Uh, We'll kind of go over in the interview how he played that part, but uh, I think you guys are going to enjoy it.
1: So first, let's talk about Spawn.
0: Ooh, Spawn.
1: Yeah, Spawn is great for those of us early 90s kids. And uh, so Tom McFarlane hasn't really put out a lot of Spawn stuff more recently. At Toy Fair, we found out that he was going to release a figure in his Mortal Kombat line. And that has been a really big seller because everybody's been hurting for some Spawn figures.
0: Yeah, and and I think maybe that was a little bit of a test of the water to see how this would go.
1: Um it's a uh, dipping your toe uh, into it and then doing another water test because it's a Kickstarter. <laughs> uh, but what we're talking about is uh, Todd McFarlane mentioned at Toy Fair that he was going to do a Kickstarter for a remastered Spawn action figure that is basically an homage to the original 95 Spawn figure that he released. He had a you know a few waves of the early spawn figures back in his early toy making days and he wants to update it with all kinds of cool new sculpts and everything and when we heard about that uh, I know I was really excited about it kickstarters aren't really associated with toys as much as it is with board games cuz when we're talking about board games yes, a,
0: yes and no I'm um, I would say a lot of vinyl like designer toy artists are getting involved in kickstarter these days That's true. Um, especially the newer ones because that is so expensive to do. And then you'll have like the Battle Tribes and I think O'Neill Designs has done a lot of Kickstarter stuff, but it's definitely not as prevalent.
1: Yeah, it's not like um, a big piece of that industry like it is in the board game world. Yeah. Um, It's definitely done. But uh, it's uh, so usually when we talk about Kickstarters, we're talking about board games since it has become such a major component to the board game industry. Uh, Kickstarters can be a great way to bring something to the market while they haven't certainly been some crowdfunded toys like we just talked about. Also like Hasbro Pulse uh, doing the the giant Unicron toy, Super the 7. Sand
0: Sandbarge. Yeah, that's
1: Jabba right. Sandbarge. i Barge. forgetting about that one. What else? Uh, Super 7 did their uh, Snake Mountain, which actually should be in production here shortly.
0: Well, technically crowdfunded. I don't think
1: Snake Mountain was a Kickstarter. No, no, I'm just saying crowdfunding in general. You're right. But the barge was kickstarted, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so.
0: Crowdfunding's creeping in everywhere and it's really awesome because people companies get to make products where there might not be enough people to justify the risk of creating something but throwing a kickstarter out there, like they can see what the demand really is and fund the production and I'm sure they're making a healthier margin on top to make some extras and put towards other stuff uh but i I think it's pretty cool like i'm probably as jaded about kickstarter as most people are particularly board game people because the formula has been figured out and they're all the same and it's getting pretty boring but kickstarter is pretty awesome in that like sure big companies are getting into it and people gripe about it but there's still that opportunity for anyone to like just throw out an idea and if, if if there's a crowd out there for it like you can Bring that idea to fruition. It's still pretty cool.
1: Absolutely. So, this Spawn Kickstarter that Todd McFarlane put out, it was launched April 8th. And at the time of this recording, it was over $1.5 million with over 12,000 backers. So, I think Todd had to have some idea of it being a successful campaign, but I don't know what kind of deals he usually gets when he tries to pump stuff into big box stores and make large runs. But I mean, it's doing pretty good for what it is, especially when most of the offerings are in like the $40 range. It's not like a (laughs) when we were talking about Kingdom Death, that was like a $250 game. Well, $400 game that we were able to get for $250. So that racks up a lot faster than say, you know, $40 or $80. So um, I think that's pretty successful.
0: Yeah, I would say, um, and for those who don't know, so he's funding a re-release of the very first Spawn toy ever made, which was Spawn, like a reimagining update of it, um, and it comes with some cool stuff. You can get like a signature plaque with a signature, you can get, uh, there's three different options with different heads, a black and white test copy. Um, there's some cool stuff. And uh, one of the things I liked about this Kickstarter is it was very simple. There wasn't like the drip feed of new stuff through quote unquote stretch goals that already existed and you're already paying for. Um but uh, there was also kind of some backlash about that. Kickstarter people or Kickstarter people, they want stretch goals. They want content to be ripped out and fed back to them a piece at a time, It's just something they enjoy. I don't think anyone, no matter how much you tell people like, hey, you aren't actually getting this for free. It was already planned in advance and you're paying for it. Uh, people still seem to just like that model of like, here, let me give you this stuff you were already going to get just slower. <laughs> I mean, it definitely brings some excitement. Um but uh, yeah, it was pretty refreshing a Kickstarter to just be like, "Here's the toys, here's here's what you pay." Um, but I don't know, Carl, if you found it as funny as I did when people started griping about stretch goals, some of the "quote unquote" free stuff that
1: Todd McFarlane started throwing into the Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting dynamic because when we're in, we're coming from both camps of being toy collectors, and then also seeing Kickstarter being such a big part of the board game world now, seeing and knowing how all that works, and now you're seeing a bunch of toy collectors that, while maybe aware of Kickstarter, this is the first one they've ever probably been interested in. I mean, when you have all these big-ticket items that have like been on Kickstarter that we talked about, that's one thing, but this is something that... you know The main figure is $40 if you want... The main figure with the the signed plaque, it's $80. So this is meant for a much larger audience. These guys are not used to this model. They're not used to this style <laughs> of product release. So it's been interesting to see. I can't think of any specifics. So if you can. as to Oh, some yeah. The
0: first quote unquote stretch goal was free hands. <laughs>
1: okay that's fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah well here's the thing yeah so <laughs> when you have action figure collectors that buy these i would say they're not premium uh action figures but like deluxe co- adult collector figures you're usually getting one or two sets of hands you're getting a couple heads you're getting extra accessories and all of that and then a bunch of articulation and a lot of that amounts to value and why you're paying that price so when you have this $40 figure that technically originally came with just what you saw there, it's just a figure with a giant ass cape that has a hinge on it. I was okay with it, but I knew that these other things would be coming. But when people are like, yeah, you should have already included that. Are you kidding me? Uh, uh, hands to hold the weapon you're giving me. <laughs> so I, Actually, I,
0: I just realized I probably got played. I, I think Todd found a new way to make stretch goals seem like extras by not making it so obvious he probably was planning on drip feeding out the hands and all of that stuff it wasn't a reaction to people complaining about stretch goals it was planned from the beginning and I totally yeah. fell for it
1: oh yeah no no I actually <laughs> definitely think the idea what he thought in his mind I'm gonna do all these things but I'm going to basically like here's the base figure and then oh guess what you get this that I was already gonna add yeah oh, guess that's what totally Here's it. another um now i don't know if the extra head and the main figure like so when you buy the figure now with the current stretch goals i don't think there's going to be any more but if there are after this recording so be it i think you're getting an extra weapon and you're getting the other the second set of hands and then you're getting another head
0: oh which is yeah screaming, uh, i'm screaming so dumb head. yeah of course. <laughs> Now I'm just mad that Todd McFarlane, that, that you snake, played, that snake played me. I, I, I'm, I was sitting here talking about how I'm jaded by Kickstarters and like, yeah, I see all the tricks. I can't believe other people don't see the tricks. And then Todd McFarlane, he just does it a like low budget way and like gets me. Because yeah, that test head that like we get the free painted one now. There's no way he like popped out a factory painted head out of nowhere in response to people complaining. He had that plan the whole time. That sneaky snake. Oh man.
1: <laughs> I don't, well, I don't know. I think he had these, probably these different options. He may have reacted in some way to, you know, and, and maybe curved one way it's like, Oh, if this doesn't go well, I'll go this direction. But he definitely didn't just pull it out of thin air. He ob- obviously had, no. had planned to do something with that but um i think it's funny because once they added the extra head to the the base figure uh i was already in but i think the value is finally there because it's two heads that i both really like
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then with the hands and, and the extra weapon like he needs a. I like that he'll get a gun because he it was just like you know one of those like billy clubs with the nail and which is classic it's like a reimagining of the original weapon because uh, guns, I the main, yeah. But,
0: toys were spawn toys were guns. Lots yeah, of yeah, guns. yeah.
1: Exactly, exactly. So, Image
0: Comics was guns so. for sure.
1: So to not get a gun would be uh, heresy. So, uh, yeah. So it's interesting to see. I can't believe I just saw you kind of unravel there. That was <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> wait a second. Um, I thought maybe I was misunderstanding what you were saying, but uh, yeah, no, yeah. I think about you. You know what? Fuck Todd McFarlane
0: no, how dare how dare he uh shake my belief in myself? <laughs> 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 anyway, uh, it's a cool Kickstarter. You guys should check it out. Spawn is an interesting property. I feel like a lot of people know about Spawn, and a lot of people were clearly a lot of people were into Spawn, like when Spawn first came out because it like sold so much. But then it just like very quickly died and no one no one seemed to really care about Spawn. I mean, I know there was the movie and all that stuff, but then like, I think Spawn is up over 300 issues now as a comic book. And when's the last time you've heard anyone talk about anything that happened in the comic book? Like never. So hopefully this will be like a cool resurgence. and uh, we get some cool Spawn stuff. Cause I don't know. I bet I feel like part of that is because Spawn was too nineties to survive outside the nineties very well. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's
1: the sign of his times. Uh, but nineties
0: is coming back though, so
1: yeah, yeah, we're all of us are adults now and we're all into it. So hopefully, I know that he's talking about. He's been talking about doing another movie for a long time, but I think he's closer than ever. Um, ever since Deadpool did really well as a rated R, because he would not budge on rated R's. Like I want a rated R superhero movie, and that was unheard of. And then now we have several rated R movies that are done really well that are superhero genre. So now is the time. So once we get past all the once yeah. movies start producing again, I think he's got some people names already attached or at least rumored uh, for the movie. I know that he had been in talks like serious talks about getting something going. It, he won't release the rights. Like he created it. He wants the control and I respect that he wants to see the movie he wants to see.
0: Yeah, I guess. I mean, Deadpool wasn't... The Deadpool we saw in the movies was not created in a vacuum. That is not the Deadpool that Rob Liefeld created. That was pieced together by many people. And it's. it's I also think of Star Wars. The first three Star Wars weren't George Lucas in a vacuum with total control. Right, a lot, right. There's a lot of evidence that the reason why they were as good as they were is because of all the people involved contributing. And then once I'll he took that. total control, it flew off the rails and turned into shit. So like, yeah, hopefully that doesn't happen to, to Todd McFarlane, but you and I both have read his comics and his writing and I have a hard time feeling that he's matured out of the nineties as much as uh, what uh, modern audience audiences would expect. And if he's like obsessively holding on control, I, I think it might hurt. I can the project. hurt it. Yeah, I can maybe we'll see.
1: He doesn't write and draw every comic anymore either. So I yeah. think that he knows. It seems like with his comic property, he's allowed other people to to go out and and tell the tell the Spawn stories. I will also say, even though we don't hear much about the comics uh, um, outside of, I'm sure you know, it's got a dedicated fan base. But I also don't hear that they suck. You know, like I, I haven't read anything past probably issue thirty. Like I don't remember where I left off on it and I don't know where all the jumping on points are, but after this Kickstarter being successful and, and it might be a little more prevalent, it might be a little more buzz around it. We'll find out where we're supposed to get in and, and if it's worth our time. And cause I would like to read it. I saw that it's on comiXology unlimited. So I'm thinking about maybe signing up for that just so I can kind of start mowing through it. But you know, the reading list is so freaking long. I don't know if I'll, I don't know if I'm ready to read 300 issues or uh, 250 more than I already have or whatever. So, but yeah, guys, uh, check it out. Cool figure from a cool character for you know decent money. McFarlane Toys has been putting out really good quality stuff for a while. They're doing the DC Multiverse figures now, uh, which I think we talked about in a previous episode. So they've War- really been going uh, big with, with
0: Warhammer uh, Toys.
1: Yeah, right. They're they're getting some really cool licenses and doing well with them. So um, I think uh, it's worth our time. So check it out. Now, our first interview ever that went decent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I thought it went really
0: well. It was great. David was a real pleasure to talk to. Carl and I can see each other. We have a camera uh, while we're talking. And I think Carl, you can confirm like just the entire time we were talking to him, I had a giant smile on my face. Like it's just really cool to get insight. And so like in particular, just on a personal level, I know I've hinted at it a couple times, but, uh, I have dabbled in making designer toys. I've sculpted and designed a few of my own toys and, uh, no, no one's figured out the clues, but they haven't been very prevalent. But if you guys want to check me out, I might, uh, grim underscore dork on instagram grimdorktoys.com and one of the big things that drew me back in like into toys as an adult was uh these 90s toys teenage mutant ninja turtles the the toys like in my heart when i envisioned them they were just very detailed and like cool little it's something I tried to put into my sculptures, cool little details that you'll know, you'll notice after you study the toy. And like, I always thought that there had to be some love that went into those toys. It couldn't just be a heartless corporate money-making machine. Obviously it was, but there had to be some love on some level of their creation to do that amount of work and do those things. And talking to David just like completely confirmed that. And it was a real joy to talk to him.
1: Yeah. Well, you definitely were smiling the entire time. Uh, it was distracting and I don't appreciate it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it was, it was awesome. Uh, I had a preliminary call with uh, David just to kind of touch base and kind of schedule everything. And I just knew like, well, it was funny. Cause I, I'm talking to him and he's just so like open and inviting and wants to talk about cool stuff that I'm like, I should have fucking recorded this. Like this is <laughs> like, what am I doing? This is like, well, I did it. I told him I wouldn't. I think that's just the right thing to do. But he was already just like going into some stuff that I'm like, oh man, you're blowing my mind already. And we haven't even, we're not even doing the interview. So, but I want to uh, give a little bit of background before we get into the interview. He is uh, an artist from California and works in a variety of mediums, but is most known for sculpting work within the toy industry. He's currently a freelance artist. He's worked with uh, Unboxed and Toy Art Gallery, uh, doing like designer toys, uh, vinyl toys. But the reason that he's such a big influence that not a lot of people know is that he got to work on toys from Earthworm Jim, Toxic Crusaders, and original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles toys that were put out by Playmates in the 80s and 90s. So if you had a handful of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles toys as a kid, if you had some Toxic Crusaders or currently trying to grab them up because it seems like all of a sudden they became really hot recently, chances are you're holding some stuff that uh, David worked on. And you can tell with the level of detail on the Turtles toys, especially on the Toxic Crusaders, because I feel like those toys are even more like outrageous they were really kind of let loose on that line. Yeah. So we had a conversation with him and we had a great time. So, uh, yeah. Check it out.
0: And if you want to take a look at his Instagram and kind of check it out while you're listening to us, you can find him at turtle milk studios on Instagram, I believe is what his Instagram is now. Uh, so Yeah. Yes.
1: I don't want to dismiss anything you're currently doing because I think it's a good opportunity to talk about what you're currently working on way to get you know the message out you can have some call to action and where to find you um, either at the beginning or at the end wherever you you feel good okay. and, but I do want to focus on uh, sounds like you have quite a story to tell with your you know working with Anaglyph Studios yeah so I think the first question I have is. For people out there to figure out what you've worked on, what are some figures that you could point to that you designed and worked on?
2: Well, I worked a lot on the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle line, so I I was uh, in the early part of it, and uh, I did mostly like weird weird guys, bad guys, um, unusual best, characters, and guys stuff like line. that. Yeah, the best. Yeah. Guys. So, if you're looking for me like for the thousands of turtles that were done, i I only worked on maybe a couple, but um yeah, it's mostly the weirder dudes the the uh, bad guys
1: that's awesome. they're generally the favorites of of young kids. I mean, obviously, you've got turtle fans, but I know that we get pretty excited about some of the the deep cuts. can you do you remember which ones you may have had your hands on?
2: Well, I'm trying to think when I came into uh, Anaglyph. I'm trying to think if uh, the foot soldier was done, but Scott was finishing him off, or he had just done him. Uh, he had done the uh, bebop and uh, rocksteady, I believe, and uh, well, you know, the early early line. Um, it was between him and the and uh, Anaglyph Studios, and then there's Farner Studios.
1: Okay, both and both of you guys worked together to put out the first waves of. You're right. Okay.
2: Yeah. I don't know if we worked too much together, but we worked in tandem. Sure. Uh, friendly, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: For for a job like that, David, um, did you primarily come up with the concepts? Was it usually like a loose loose idea they presented to you? Because if I'm not mistaken, when a lot of those toys were coming out, sometimes the toys would come out before they were on the cartoon. Sometimes. Uh, so oh, definitely. Yeah, there was
2: a lag. Yeah. Uh, so. I basically, uh, uh, started, uh, you know, had to learn a whole new skill, uh, which was sculpting in wax, which I'd never done. And, uh, you know, it was a, it was an interesting time, you know, like right away that line came up and there was a lot of, um, questions about like the characters. They, they, they weren't really happy. I think they had sent some of them to an animation studio. And they weren't thrilled maybe with what came back. So they, it opened up the possibilities of, of looking for new characters and, uh, and also thinking in a toy making way, like how, you know, how cool can I get away with, you know, how cool can we get away with making this an exciting, you know, dynamic toy? So, um, it it was really fun. I, I don't know if, if that happens much. I don't, I believe it's a totally rare situation where. I was able to start designing and, and, and you know sometimes there was like a hint of, you know a basic outline of what they wanted, and then sometimes it was just make up stuff and uh and I love that that was the most oh, exciting sure. thing
0: but um was it hard when um when you would create a design and like uh, was it often that they would get rejected or you'd have to do a second pass
2: uh, yeah um, i i'm uh, yeah. My designs, were all the originals were a little bit more extreme than they were comfortable with. I mean, the basic uh, reason why there were, like, little guys and things like that was at some point, I believe, uh, some, you know, like, moral or support group or whatever was saying, too much uh, weapons in the toys. Mm-hmm. So they they were trying to be cut me loose a little bit to be creative with the accessories and the ideas mm-hmm. of things that can be done with the extra plastic. So that, that was exciting. I mean, you know, that was really fun to do. All the sculptors at Anaglyph and, and, Var, and Varner Studio 2 were all top-notch guys. They were all like super talented uh, designers and sculptors.
1: David, uh, just so that we can kind of get all the major players out. So we discussed you have Anaglyph, which you were at, with, you said, Scott?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I met Scott. Uh, consecutively, I think at like the San Diego Comic Con, he was just a friendly person. I would always stop by and pick up something that I was doing, you know, paintings or T-shirts or God knows what. And uh, I brought out some um, shrunken heads that I had made, crudely, but uh, they looked cool. And so he was—he looked at them and he goes, uh, "He goes, I didn't know you sculpted." It. And I go, oh, "Yeah, I, I do. I like it." And then, uh, though I, ha- I hadn't done a lot of sculpting, you know, for a long time, you know, I went with it. And uh, I found out that he was a toy designer, that he'd worked at a lot of large companies, toy companies, and he was going on his own. And um, he lived in uh, the South Bay, in, uh, I believe, Lomita at the time. And it was fascinating on him. My head blew up when I went over to visit him. Uh, his work is insanely good. I don't know if you've seen the the model for Rocksteady. It's non-articulated. Have you seen that?
1: Yeah, I think you had that on your Instagram page. Yeah, um, yeah. That oh, my thing God. is you know, incredible.
2: So Scott's a like, total master. He's got the right attitude. He just wants to make stuff have fun. I mean, yeah. it's funny uh, sometimes because, like, uh, I don't know how many of the toy company. People were fun kids when they were young, you know, and played a lot and all that stuff. But I know the sculptors were,
0: right? You know, uh, were you a toy fan before you started this job? Like, And if so, what well, what toys did you enjoy? Well, I was born in 1960, so the 60s to the 70s were
2: heavy, heavy monster culture, and it was a mm. weird time to be a kid. You were restricted to early morning Saturday to. Wake up at like five in the morning or something, and that's when your cartoons started to a certain time, and then they were off. So it was like once a week, I think. And uh, there were cartoons here and there, but you know that was the time to see the kids shows. And they were weird; they they didn't know what they were doing. They were winging the whole idea of what is a kids show, <laughs> and uh, they were doing crazy, crazy shows. So, and uh, the toys were, you know, there was the Adams Family, the Munsters, uh, you know, monster movies, monster models, Aurora. You know, I, I would go to the local market, and they would have just crazy, like little rubber monsters, and they had. Uh, you know, I, I still have the, the Herman Munster puppet that I, I bought way back then. I saved up for. That's awesome. So uh, yeah, like like, and their weirdo toys, Big Daddy Roth. Come on, I mean, it, it's it's was like craziness. And i was just sharing that like an echo keep that attitude going of the attitude of you know i kind of wanted to make every single toy somebody's favorite toy you know what i mean
1: yeah it's a great policy oh, yeah.
2: i i just wanted to make each one like uh cool <laughs> that was my you know primary motivation so and i and it was shared with the you know artists i work with and stuff They're, you know I, at anaglyph we had uh martin butcher i think his last name was and sorry martin if it's wrong um <laughs> scott hensey was a great sculptor there was um uh steve berliner his son bren and uh just uh there was a uh, steve lynn who was a good designer and a sculptor and um uh, oh god if i forget people i'm gonna get in trouble but <laughs> they all were talented is what i'm trying to say
0: sure. you know
2: and they so, all were really yeah uh,
1: you guys are a team. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's ultra fascinating to me that you bring up the big daddy Roth as like an early childhood thing, because I never noticed it oh before. But Now that you've mentioned it, I can definitely see the influences, particularly in the, the, Holy the weirdo God. characters um, and then the like ultra detailed in- illustrations and things like that. That's really fascinating. I never heard that before.
2: Uh, oh, my God. Well, you know, as a kid, you know, I would save up money and buy hot rod magazines. And I wasn't interested in cars. I don't know how things work, really. <laughs> but, <laughs> the, you know, the creatures and everything. They look cool. Yeah. And, I mean, he started, like, airbrushing on T-shirts at conventions and stuff like that. He was a T-shirt airbrusher at some point. And uh, that stuff just is mind-blowing art. I mean, you know, for me, uh, you know, Mad Magazine, I guess, was the start of it. And then, you know, uh, National Hampoon and uh, The Underground. Holy God crazy stuff going on. I buy the lowrider magazines because I like the artwork. (laughs) You know, uh, you know, there's all the hot rod painters. There's, uh, I mean, uh, I know a bunch of guys that that worked for the Roth organization did comic books for them and stuff like that. And it had a huge influence. Uh, And I, you know, that's just how my mind works. You know, I like that extreme thing. (laughs) So, and and then, you Um, know, like like some, some figures for some lines, I think it was a Toxie line, but, you know, like the mouth opens, the eyes bulge out, or, you know, different things like that were really fun to, you know, be able to use, like, characters like Worm or, you know, definitely
0: Roth influence, of course. Uh, that's great. Speaking of the the Toxic Crusader line, um, great line. Carl and I are big fans. We're currently um, collecting them all right now,
1: actually. <laughs> yeah, oh, we are yeah. in
0: the process. Of collecting them all, in doing research for this, I saw online some some concept art for unreleased Toxic Crusaders. Uh, how many of those were you originally commissioned to create? Like, how many of those were there originally supposed to be?
2: You know, I don't have numbers like that. But but the Toxic line was—they were pretty confused as uh, about mm-hmm. it, like what it should be like. I think there was a lot going on in the background, so the, there was just kind of an unknowing, you know, openness to just anything crazy, I guess. And, and so I had a lot of fun, you know, just continuing that vibe. It's a dream come true.
0: <laughs> I mean, honestly. So as a designer for a lot of these characters, particularly like if you designed a toy before it showed up on the cartoon for a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, would you see any money from that or was it purely just a commission? No, no. And then you're done.
2: No, I was a dude with a job. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I go. <laughs> that's what I figured. Yeah, that's that's how I. That's unfortunately, you know, that's the way I. Yeah. I it, it was sort of, you know, I just I came to do work. We, we were a lot of stuff we had done, and you know, it's like ghost writing, sort of. You know, you, mm-hmm. you know, you're doing exciting stuff, but it gets assimilated out there. You know, nobody will know who sculpted it. You know, it was mm-hmm. you know pre-internet, and you know. <laughs>
1: And that's we so, just didn't think. That's what's so you interesting know, we, to us.
2: Yeah. Because we, we kept busy. So it was like, you know, next line, next line, you know, we did a lot of, um, you know, like we did happy meals too. <laughs> so we had stuff going on, you know, real strict, you know, do it by the book kind of stuff. And then we would get these jobs to counter it. And I know like, a lot of commercial artists out there know what I'm talking about. You know, you're doing stuff for other people. You're, you're, you have to, you know blend what you do with their intentions which aren't always inspired you know so it's really great to have a job where you can uh just go like how sick can i make it how crazy you know what can i do you know get excited about it thank god for that you know uh those jobs they were you know creative jobs and fun and i could you know i love that
0: stuff so that that's really good to hear. Cause I don't have any firsthand experience, but I've always wondered if commercial designers, particularly from that period were just hired guns and they didn't care at all. Um, but it's, it's really awesome to hear that like so much artistry went into a lot of the toys that I still love from when I was a kid. And I feel like it shows compared to the toys today. I think that's
1: why we still like them. You, it stands the test of time, you know? Yeah. The older
2: designers were crazy talented. And there was guys from Farner's place, a guy named, um, but Van, I think his name was, and he he was an insane. I would get I would get like uh, something put on my desk that he had drawn, and my head would like fall off. He did this one picture I'm thinking of right now, of a guy made of like hunters, like uh, African hunters or something. There's like five heads in it. It was or it was like mutant, uh, morphing into animals. It was insane. It was so good. That guy always did exciting stuff, and I don't even know if I met him. I don't. I didn't know who did it. I I, I really didn't know the guys at Warner's uh, well at the time. But um, yeah, he really ins- he was really inspiring, and it was like you know you do something crazy, and then they do something to outdo you. That's that oh, spirit man. prevailed in Var. I I don't know. That's my thought is that. By stirring stuff up That it would Be infectious And then it would be Like a creative contest Between You know Artists and stuff And see what happened Because they did Insanely good work At Farner Studio And um, Sometimes it, We would get a job And it would get Pushed aside And we might Send it to Farner Studio Or get something From them Occasionally uh, But um, Everybody Got into it So That's why it's a fun line You know Oh, for sure. By the time the giant mutant vehicle guys came out, the Killer Bee and uh, Needle Nose and Giant Mosquito, I was like totally into it, like ro- rocking it. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> you know, I just went like uh, crazy on the design.
1: Did you guys work on the vehicles?
2: Yeah, you know, we uh, you know that we would they would get vehicles made by engineers, kind of, sure. who would do exactly what they wanted, you know, measure cut and you know shape slowly but um we did a lot of uh, gussing them up with like you know drips and you know textures and things like that i did a lot of that
1: just the texturing stuff not the whole vehicle can you kind of walk me through even just in broad strokes of like what you would go from like concept to when you would finally pass it off to manufacturing can you kind of walk us through like what materials you used how, and maybe it was kind of chaotic. I don't, I don't know. But I like to kind of well, have an idea of like. No,
2: it wasn't it wasn't really chaotic. I don't think. That's good. It might have been for Scott. But, um, yeah, it wasn't too chaotic in the beginning. And we had time to do good work. And, um, we would start in a logical way, <laughs> which was, uh, working, uh, doing a model, uh, an armature mm-hmm. and then a, uh, Chavant coat it and do a, a sculpture like that in modeling clay and then get it uh critiqued by management and you know playmates and then um then when they were happy with it we would make a wax mold and then uh do all the detailing and cleaning in wax okay and it was a special recipe of uh, of carving wax okay so that it wasn't too sticky it wasn't too soft it was it carbonized to build up surfaces that you're working with a, like a heat tool, uh, with a full thermostat with a little metal tip and you would, you could melt, melt it and add on to it and just do uh, kind of like building a wall, just do, uh, make your eyebrow, you know, have more character, stick out more, go for nuances in the shape. You're able to do that in wax. But of course, since wax is fragile, you know, it, it is meant to be molded and casted. That, that's the whole, uh, you know, what you
1: want. Okay, gotcha. And then they would like. Would you send off the wax uh, master off to manufacturing, or are you making another piece? No, no, mind? you don't
2: send. You don't send wax. That's the sure. point. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a nightmare to send. It's 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 nerve wracking. And then.
1: Sure.
2: Um. Yeah. So we would do it in in uh, you know, bit by bit. Uh, it had a process, you know, that was very kind, you know, kind. So we had the time we were paid to, to take the time and to do things like that. And, uh, the things came out good. Now I'll forget about it. Like, uh, I'm usually working directly into wax, which is a whole tripped out thing to do. And, uh, um, you're
0: producing vinyl, right? So you send the wax.
2: Yeah. I don't, I can't mm-hmm. take the time. Yeah. But they still come out good, you know? Just from wax I I have tricks so that they don't come out looking stiff Or As a matter of fact, wax can help a lot Because you can shift You could cut something and give it the slightest twist Or tilt And things like that and get dynamics in your work And then diffuse it back together Polish it And then uh, you're set So there's pluses and minuses You know, the traditional logical way Is clay to wax and uh and then to resin and then we ship the resin
1: uh, okay
0: and we
2: send a couple versions of it we send like a paint and a master and it depends what's specified
0: when you send those painted masters i imagine that were, were the paint jobs uh more impressive than what would end up on the final toy would that end up being d- disappointing when you would see the real thing or were you uh commissioning we to had a really one for one
2: yeah we had a good painter uh her name is, was, is Lori Eggers, and she's a super talented painter, and she did awesome masters of all these things. And we would look with, like, we would just be amazed at how good it looked. And then the terror would set in, you know? <laughs> because, because they were brutally analyzed by, by practical people, and they, uh, they were uh, paint operations is what they called them. And they, were, they would add up, were dropped, uh, you know, or it uh, totally ignored. So we would never know what we would get back. Like in the end, it was a little bit, we wanted to see them and it's always cool to see something produced, but you never know how, how far things were deviated as color wise, at least. And all the toys were, were done the same, same size, by the way, we did a couple of things, you know, over the years for different people that were panographed, but it wasn't happening a lot.
0: Yeah. The, the waiting to get the, uh, Production copyback does sound like it might be a little stressful if you're really invested. I guess in it data. is for everybody. Yeah,
2: you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, you, something could have. But I mean, usually, you know, I, that's why some people got mad at me because I put so many details in. I just, I'm a detail guy. That's just how I'm wired. You know, that's what I'm all about. So I put in, you know, rips and tears and things. Now, if if I go on Instagram and I look. There's people customizing those things. They're repainting them. I know a bunch of just fantastic artists that are doing making those pieces look exciting again. And it blows my mind to see them
0: well painted. Oh, that's really cool. Were, were there, are there any examples you can think of where, uh, potentially corporate got involved and changed your design or something happened in the way where yeah. it, it just really disappointed it, you? Like, could you, do you have a figure in mind where it just didn't turn well, out the way you really wanted?
2: You know, <laughs> it was a business, and you know they had the last say. A lot of times, things sure. got through. You know, more I have a more positive feeling that things got through. That you know they could probably could have uh, you know <laughs> not let through. Got away. And with I'm grateful stuff. for that. I was expecting. You know, in a commercial situation, you're not in charge of stuff. You you have to work with uh, limitations and, and restrictions and things like that. Mostly, you know. That's fair. So so you do the best you can, you know, and uh, hope for the best, especially if you get a good client. Like, you know, Playmates was wonderful at that time for me because they had a lot of op- openness. It's just so unusual to just um, all sorts of stuff. And I, I give them a lot of credit for that.
0: Yeah, it sounds like they were a really great fit for you. This is a crazy question, so it's okay if you... You don't, but do you have any idea the amount of toys that were produced of your designs, numbers-wise? No. A uh, total at all? No. Possible? No. <laughs> I figured not. I'm sure it's quite a few, though.
2: I was a salaried guy. I, I, I was a dude coming to work, so you know, I didn't get you know, royalties and things like that are new.
0: Sure. And in
2: control, too. I mean, as an artist, as a creative person, the world is changing for all of us, people who make stuff. The so technologies are, are, some of them are insanely liberating and exciting, uh, you know, making your own books and doing animation yourself. And uh, there's so many things now that are possible uh, that it's really exciting, you know. And I hope everybody takes advantage and pushes things to the utmost that they can with the new technology. They can't wait to see, you know, what is coming. Did I skip the question? I don't
0: oh, yeah, you're good. Oh, <laughs> no, yeah. It actually brings me to kind of my next question really well. You've kind of transitioned into like sculpting designer toys. Uh, and I really feel that designer toys are more of that. Uh, they have more of that creative fire that used to be in mainstream toys. Now, can you right. talk a little bit about how you got into that and what that's been like for you? Well, it's, it's a whole complex world. It's not just like big companies producing it. But
2: it's a lot of independent, like you come out, that's what I'm saying about technology is, is, you know, for those of you who are interested, sculpture is a very interesting thing. You can make something and then, you know, you put your time and your work and care into it and then by making multiples, do you know what I mean? Like, like it preserves that, that extra time that you put into it or that extra care
0: and it's exciting. I would totally agree. So I uh, we've been hinting to our uh to our listeners. I, I actually create some designer toys that I sell on Instagram. Uh sculpting yeah. cast them in resin and I just started doing that one day I uh just bought the supplies off Amazon and and just away I went. So I feel Isn't like that a awesome? great opportunity. Yeah, for everyone yeah. to get involved. Yeah. More in people should toy. try
2: it. More people should should try sculpting. It changes your brain a little bit, I found too. So I'd always wanted to do comics and comics were always hard for me. I'd always mess up. And so I learned, uh, how to do your, your own digital printing now. And I I guess there's other versions too, but you can get your work done in a really cool format and, uh, with full color and it looks excellent. It looks uh, professional and that's a new thing, you know? So we're left beholden on others. We can produce our own toy line. Um, we can make our own things, and and produce them in sculpture, and so yeah, that's an exciting thing. I hope more people try try it out.
1: Yeah, we're finally at a time in society where, if you want to get creative and you want to put out content, whether it's something physical or like, I mean, we're, what we're doing with the podcast, it's you can just do it. Like a lot of things are available to you. Right. And they exactly. Make things a lot got easier. a show. Right? It's Like, if you kind of want to do it, go do it. Like, yeah, it.
2: definitely. That's the whole thing about. I mean, I don't want to get esoteric on a toy show or anything. No, let's do it. But, let's but get weird. But Art is in the do. Art is in the doing. That's yeah. something that you can get in, uh, directly involved with and be present in your life while doing it. And it's exciting. It has uh, benefits and stuff like that. That sort of mindset of you know just making being able to make your own stuff and and uh, if you have an idea how to flesh it out.
1: So. How did you get into wanting to make stuff? Like what, what got you into it? Like, obviously as a kid, you must've been messing with stuff.
2: I, here's the, I'll give it to you quickly. Sure. So I was a hyper, I was a hyperactive kid. I was
1: sort of a nightmare
2: to be around. (laughs) I had a lot of energy. And of course, you know, when you go to a doctor, a lot of people have had to endure Ritalin or things like that. Right. And for some people, maybe they've helped them. But when I went there, I was there with my grandparents too, I think. And uh, what they said is, you know, the doctor wanted to give me the pills, and they didn't want to do it, and they were thinking about it. And my grandparents said, you know, when he's over at our house, he is not a pain in the ass. <laughs> he's actually all right. <laughs> and, and the reason is is because we, have, we just give him, like, a bunch of paper and some scissors and some crayons or pens and things like that. And he just sits there and he makes whole worlds and play, makes games and all kinds of stuff. So art's always been, and, and thus I did not end up having to take the pills to calm down. And I use art as a medicine sort of for my own nature, you know, you just need to do. <laughs> I, I just react well i'm built for that world yeah. of making stuff i like it a lot you know i'm in love with it and i recommend it a lot to i think art is for everybody or being creative you know everybody has something they should try it a lot of people stop doing art because of, of ridiculous reasons like you know my sister drew pandas better or you know they had a actually an art teacher who was shitty you know sometimes a gym teacher is subbing for <laughs> and doing the art class too, or it, it can be a nightmare because they try to force you in a, a certain, you know, premeditative way of, of what is considered art and what it is to succeed in an art class, which is, you don't need that kind of stuff. It's in so some ways, just do it yourself. Don't rely on other people to make you, you know, opportunities to do art and just, uh, everybody should take some time out. And have a project they 're pursuing or something that they're doing creatively and um, it's medicine when you're working at maybe jobs you hate or you're having difficulties in your life and stuff like that it is uh it is helpful
1: oh absolutely as a matter of fact yeah, no one, noah and I met uh in a band we actually were playing music together, and that being a creative outlet, like you just got, you need to make. Express yourself through something, and like we said, and like you said, it's just so easy to do now. You got to try it and have some sort of outlet. It's definitely medicine.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I believe so, and it's and, and it's also unifying. Like anybody that's creative on that level of being a good artist is family, sort of. It feels that way to me, mm-hmm. you know. And so there's a, a friendliness to it and an acceptingness, like in in art too. If you make a mistake. It actually, I think it's part of, of making you better like that. You know, that's a learning experience. So you don't lose it. the negativities negativity is transformed into something positive, you know? Yeah. <laughs> There's an airplane dive
1: bombing somebody. It's all good. <laughs> all <right. laughs> i go attack that coronavirus.
2: <laughs> I'm outside. <laughs> I am I'm being leisurely right now. Uh, I mean, really? I'm in a rocking chair and everything. That's yeah. That's awesome. Where's the <laughs> photographer?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you actually had a picture of you chilling in front of your um, your fireplace uh, on your Instagram. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I glad love you it. I have a place like love. that to enjoy.
2: Yeah, and I have a lot of garbage and so I'm you know like cut trees and stuff like that. So I mean, enjoy- I'm really really into it now. I've got the uh, I've got
1: what's necessary. Can you think of a, like a time or maybe even a specific project you were working on? Whether it was at Playmates or any of your other. Uh, toy, career jobs, what was like the hardest toy to design or even just oh my like god, a, like an op, like where it was like this impossible thing? <laughs> Did you ever have one of those moments?
2: Uh-huh, I guess so. I guess anybody that's <laughs> working has got nightmare stories and, and when things, everything goes wrong and, you know, it, it just happens. You know, you're on a deadline and you sure. run out of tape on a Sunday, you know, trying to make a drop-off. So, um, yeah, it's, it's part of, it's like warfare kind of, in a way, it can't be like that. Right. It can, you know, if you're doing it for yourself then it's something that you should take pleasure in, but doing stuff commercially for other people can be, you know, there's a reason they're, you know, it's difficult right. for instance, Like, like what, what am I, I mean, I did a lot of stuff for Disney. We were doing happy meals and I, I worked on, you know, in tandem with Scott and the other sculptors, we did a lot of like, the major toy line. So we did, um, I mean, Warner Brothers isn't a toy line, but it's a, you know, Disney, we did, uh, I think for Pokemon, Theranite, they were difficult to please. No. Oh. But, you know, that's okay.
1: Sure.
2: And, uh, I mean, you know, if you, if you go off of the chart at all, if you dare, <laughs> then you're going to get, you're going to get smashed. Right. You know, that's why, that's why, digital sculpting was such a, a, a an alarming you know addition to it is because it was great for some reasons and it was a nightmare for other reasons and and the thing is you know you could go and then you if you had the file for the character you would be able to design you know design it and print it out and then they couldn't say shit like the licensors couldn't Buster balls for a this while. That's exactly because, what you asked for. Because you go, well, it's on fucking mark. It's on the goddamn <laughs> you know program. You know that, it's an approved face,
1: right? So you right.
2: get every you know every face looking like exactly right. And I'm not an exact. I mean, I am good at this stuff at doing other people's styles, but it's not you know what I want to do.
1: Sure.
2: But it, it, it's a discipline part of working. You know, that's that's all. It's just, you know, doing things, you know, so that they'll pass, that they'll get through and being disciplined about it. And then when it comes time for you to cut loose, then you're, you know, you're all bottled up and then weird shit will come out. That's how <laughs> I look at it. You yeah, know? I
0: love that. That's, that's awesome.
2: You, you know, it, it, just do it professionally is, is it can be a, a variety of different experiences, but some of them are, are rather disturbing, you know, like it takes a long time. You have to give in, you know, especially, uh, listen, if, if if there's sculptors out there that are doing, you know, uh, regular hand sculpting and they're doing uh, licenses and stuff like that, um, they're very, very good. Because uh, I, I mean, I had a lot of good luck, but I've had moments, you know. But uh, most of the time I, I got through just doing it by eye. And there's a lot of different ways to... Like I know now that I didn't know then about sculpting, there's things I've learned since those older days, which they seem to me as another lifetime away. It's just a whole other thing. I was a different, you know, a younger person, and I, you know, I could have been more serious. I wish I had dreamt bigger, but I enjoyed what I did and working with the people that I did. It was an honor. It was a pleasure, to, you know, and it was inspiring. Look, you know, Scott is completely awesome and inspiring all by himself. Just his, his own work has you know, really changed the way I thought about, about things and uh, to know the possibilities of things that can be done, you know? And uh, all, all the artists that I work with uh, were very exciting and, and unique too. Um, you know, I, I was able to put crazy stuff into the, some of the designs, like Joe Eyeball in Muckman, the character I designed is dedicated to my brother, Joe. That's awesome. You know, oh, so that's I, did, I was able to put little things in, in like that, in it, and it was uh, nice.
1: That's amazing, and you know, working with people that you that you care about and that kind of challenge you, and you work as like a family unit. That is well, more than half the battle. If,
2: if there's an intensity to it too, sure. And there's all kind there's all kind of complexities to the working relationships and stuff like that, right. but. But yeah, inspiring, yes. I don't know about family, though they are I mean, if, I feel that some way. Some families are
1: are all hugged nice, you know. Like what a mean? nice
2: American dysfunctional family. Yes. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's better.
1: The modern family, maybe not the right. not leave it to beaver family. Exactly. Uh <laughs> so let's uh switch gears. Tell us what you're working on now. What are some of the what you've transitioned to being like a freelance artist, correct?
2: Yeah, you, you know, I I never this is this is a secret to me. It is, you know, and I've seen a I I know a lot of artists, and the idea is to always at least be doing something wild and free and extreme and you know fun and impractical, <laughs> and 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 to balance all the hard work and and grueling shit and you know. Upsetting things that go on in, uh you know, being a, you know, a freelance, or working freelance, or working for companies and things like that. So,
0: <laughs> what are some of the the outrageous things that are really stretching your creativity? You're working on right now. You have anything like I, that I, going I,
2: on? I'm, in, I'm into so many things. I in, I love oh. everything I've ever done. I'm into yeah. ceramics. I would just be a ceramics if I could. <laughs> I love. <laughs> I like sandblasting. I like all, all sorts of you know, painting and drawing, you know, uh, I, I always thought that like, if I thought about myself that I wasn't a fine artist, I'd be more like in the family of illustrators because I'm a storyteller. And that's a whole thing for me. All, of it, all, everything I do has a story to it. And, uh, now I'm making books. So, you know, I'm able to make digital books and they're packed with, you know, like, poems and stories and uh, explanations and things like that and really cool artwork in it and uh it's ex- very exciting for me i'm doing comics finally it's all i would do it's just such an impractical i don't know how to make it work but <laughs> oh my god i'm in love with com- you know comic books and doing comics
0: oh that's great uh, carl and i are both also very big uh, comic book fans surprise so, yeah we'll have to yeah. definitely check that out
2: <laughs> um yeah, shake me a little bit if I go completely off topic. Because uh, no, this
1: is good. I want to. Am, wanna... am I behaving? Cause you're you're great. I apologize. No, you're All great, right, Dave. I I'm fantastic. Yeah. I just want to. I'm just trying to make sure right now that people can figure out what you're working on now and like where they can find you. Look,
2: look, uh, look at a lot of stuff from. Uh, there's I uh, have many things in Unbox, uh, which is a wonderfully cool company. Uh, and, uh, I've done stuff for a Toy Art Gallery. It still keeps ghosting out. Oh, yeah. Uh, in little puffs from the far horizon. And I, I do a lot of stuff for Skinner, and I've done things for Ron English or Martin Anteveros. But right now, the, the new stuff that I'm doing is in a blind box series. So the sad thing is that it makes it hard to, you have to switch to eBay or some other way of, of, uh, getting specifically what you want, but I have like a a, a lovely series in that, that are really just what I would do if I was just fucking, you know, interested, I want to get, do something exciting. And, you know, um, you know, mind blowing or something like that. Those are, those are the pieces, you know, I'm very, very proud of. And thank you to, to Dan at Unbox for, for, and his people. That didn't. I suppose they're just masters or something like that. The, now I, I, that I've been in it for a while, I realize the quality that uh, that it takes, and and I really appreciate the way that the finished product looks. And they are really great. But I did the uh, Hidashihino stuff for them, and I did many, like many many other pieces. But um,
0: David, you're. You're referencing the Who Goes There blind boxes from Unbox? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Those are, fa- those are fantastic. So, uh, for each series, I have three,
2: three pieces in them. So the first one, you know, so, so I've got about nine pieces in them. And the latest ones that I'm, I'm hoping will be all right to come out would be, uh, there's one that's a little, uh, it's like a baby in a cradle. But it's a, like a little devil or goat baby. The pillow looks really weird. It's wrinkly and everything like that. But it's supposed to be a brain because when you turn the cradle sideways and look at it, the cradle is uh, like a severed in half, like zombie head.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs>
2: and, and the whole thing about it is that it rocks rather than sits. So oh, when you touch oh it, God. it can go rock back and forth. And I, I asked them, but I don't know if they'll do it to put maybe like a plastic baby or two inside of them so that they rattle too. Cause the baby's oh, holding man. a little eyeball rattle. Oh. <laughs> but awesome, it's just dude. like stuff I, like I that, you know, like you, when you're doing it, you think, well, why does it have to just sit somewhere? Is there any, you know, latitude that I can do to make it move or be unusually shaped or something? But, um, and then there's, a, I did a one, the latest one is a, uh, like a woman samurai swordsman. Who had just chopped off this giant's head. She's standing by the head. And that one came out really, really nice, uh, too.
1: Oh, I think I've seen that online. So, yeah. Is that part of the blind box currently? I have you? You shouldn't. I
2: haven't released it. Oh, huh?
1: well, I thought I saw a picture of something with Well maybe uh, you did. I don't
2: know. <laughs> I, I give them sometimes to friends and say, Hey, <laughs> you know <laughs> It leaked. Things don't always work out, huh?
1: I said maybe it leaked. <laughs> I don't know. I, I felt yeah. like I saw a piece um on your Facebook or, or um, somebody
2: maybe took a picture. I was, I was showing it to a few friends at the convention and things like that. But, um, and then one of them is, a uh, it's a little bit more lascivious, you know, it's like a, uh, a, it's a giant head that's shaped like a heart. And then there's a, a, a nude zombie girl eating it on the top of it. And, uh, I'm really proud of that too. So I hope that you all can see it uh, see that series if it comes out, but, yeah. uh, you know, like Skinner, just his PC, um, Wilbur Waitley of, uh, Lovecraft stories. So I sculpted him for, for Skinner and it came out and it's very exciting to me. I, I, I see pictures of it, but, um, yeah, it looks awesome to me. Yes, yeah, so yeah. And people seem to be happy with it.
1: That's awesome.
2: And, you know, Skinner's one of those people too that sometimes I have to do, you know, what he wants and, uh, you know, but sometimes he does give me latitude or, uh, you know, a lot of freedom. And I appreciate that. And he's a great designer. Everybody should look up, look up his page.
1: Yeah. I, uh, on my shelf, I have a uh, Skinner and uh, Wonder Goblin uh, collab that they did. uh, Holy shit. Yeah. The fungoid man, Uh, that thing. uh, Yeah. I love it so much. They, Released it in uh, like a swirl, pink and purple, and it's one yeah. of my favorite pieces.
2: You know, you know, Skinner's got the right attitude because he wants to have fucking—he just wants to have fun. You know yeah. what I'm saying? He, you know, there's a whole business side to everything, but you want to do stuff that excites you and that's fun to do. And uh, uh, he's doing a lot of like very exciting stuff, and I enjoy all the video stuff that he's been doing too.
0: Awesome. Uh, We haven't gotten too much into the vinyl toy side of toy collecting on our podcast yet, but I think that's something we really need to rectify because it's, it's it's probably some of the most exciting toys being released.
2: Yeah. They're really exciting. And, and is just an incredibly attractive, sexy material for your stuff to be made into. It's got its own rules, how it's produced and how it has to be designed. But um, also respect resin guys. Oh, There's absolutely. incredible resins out there And resin is a way that you can make your own You know, if you so want to You just pour, you know, resin in and make copies And uh, it's a wonderful thing And a, and a real art it's, it's definitely high art That's being done in in resin too And it's just you and, you know, guys like you and me You know, some guy working out of his garage And stuff like that I mean, we want to support people like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think uh, that's pretty much all our questions we had. I mean, it's been awesome for you sh- to share all of these great things. Oh no, did you have anything else that you needed to?
0: Oh, oh no, no, I, I, I'm all out too. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you for coming on. Uh, this has been really uh, fun uh, and well, informative. Let me and I appreciate it. it. Let me
2: give respect and love to. Anybody that's a fan of like my work and the things that I do um and support and help out um thank you from my heart uh, it's just uh it's really great the internet has just been such a amazing wonderful thing to to touch space to touch with your fans and meet them and hear their stories and see their artwork their things that they're doing is like one of the most beautiful wonderful things so it's great that the stuff that we did as sort of uh you know uh you know ghost writers or ghost sculptors and stuff like that uh when you hear back and see that you know people it changed people's lives and and it really excited them when we were a part important part of their childhood is uh just so awesome so thank you, you know, <laughs> for uh for that thank you for communicating with me and uh and like i said um I mean, I, I feel the same way towards the, the artisan sculptors of, you know, the area that I grew up in, you know, the Big Daddy Ross, the models, the, uh, you know, Rat Finks, the, uh, the toys, the weird-ass toys, you know, those sculptors excited me, the the cereal box, <laughs> you know, toys that you would save up for and send and get a little submarine or some okay. crazy uh, play set, those were great, though. They were great toys, little straw huggers and cup, uh, caddies, whatever you call them. Oh my God. You know, to those artists. And we'll, I mean, I don't know, even with the internet, I try to find out who did what, but some of it is just, uh, it's like prehistory or something like that. (laughs) But, uh, you know, they're great artists who did weirdo, those weirdo toys and oh my God. Uh, so I'm ever grateful for that. And those are my heroes and i just wanted to i never wanted to end you know the weirdness and toys
1: <laughs> absolutely it's it's the fun part the exploratory piece and i'm just glad that we were able to connect and kind of share your story uh it's just kind of unfair to me that you got you know you got like the netflix show with the toys that made us and you don't hear from the the actual artist it's okay i'm no i'm i'm not here to kick dirt yeah. i love the show i just think that no. uh it's important. That-
2: I, I just didn't, I didn't need layered or Eastman or any of those people. I didn't, I, you know, things were very capped off. like at the top for me. So, uh, you know, I was left to just do my own juices or, uh, you know, and, uh, be creative and make toys that I would want to, you know, I was the go-to kid in the block that you come over and play with. And, you know, we would throw out the toys and some poor little kid at the end would get like a real boring, you know, figurine or something. And then I would make up a story to make it exciting, to make it like that kid's favorite toy. And then he'd always ask for it, you know, afterwards. Because it had a story, because it had a you know, magic to it. Awesome. And it's it's all about play, you know. We all need play in our lives. Play is sacred, is is the way we should be living and approaching many, many things. But for me, artists play, you know. It's the way that I, it's a free reign to be a kid again, and to make up stuff and just to have fun and make yourself laugh. Um, I hope kids turn off the electricity once in a while and 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 make something and and uh, be with the art pro, uh, you know, hands-on art process that's there, and it's something that they'll never regret.
0: Well, so, I, I could I couldn't in- agree more. Very well said to that point. I've actually. One of the things I've tried to do as I've been learning to sculpt is uh, I've been sculpting with my nephew and getting him involved with painting some of my toys and things like that. And right. He, he asks me every di- time he sees me if he can do that more. But you know what he doesn't ask me to oh do is God. play video games with him. He, so, like, showing that yeah. sort of stuff to kids is very important and you can well really change yeah, that. Yeah, I,
2: I have a six-year-old granddaughter and she draws for fun now. She draws yeah, for fun great. And, uh, you know, she loves the, you know, the iPad and all that stuff too, but she takes time to draw and create stuff and, uh, make up stories and things like that. She's very creative. And, uh, I just, I love it. It's the best part of my life to see that kind of stuff.
1: Keeping it alive. I love it. That's great. Well, David, uh, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Anytime. It's been awesome. And, uh, you know, Where can people find you on the interwebs?
2: Well, it's David Arshawski, and I will spell it for you. A-R-S-H-A-W-S-K-Y. You You know, my tag is Turtle Milk Studios. And just look me up and you'll see stuff. Um, There's a Patreon page and then there's, you know, Facebook or um, Tumblr or...
1: uh, (laughs) I have a website out there, too. Oh, you're fine. I just want to make sure people can connect. And Google is such a powerful tool. You got your name in there, the Turtle Milk Studios.
2: (laughs) It was great talking to you guys and and thank you for the interest. You know, you know, it's, it's such a weird story of, uh, just sort of accidentally falling into the toy industry, but I had a lot of fun and I met great people and the toys speak for themselves. And, um, there's a lot coming like in out of my future. You know, the new things I'm doing, there's a lot of things going on. So if you reach out. So and, that was our interview with me, David
0: Awesome! Um, I, I hope would, you guys you know, had as much know, fun listening to it though, as we had making it. Uh, uh, I think going we're going to try and do some yeah, more great, interviews. Right, Carl? Thank, absolutely.
1: Yeah, we absolutely. Really we it. wanted to do this one because we started chatting with him and you could tell he had a great story to tell and uh, we had such a good time with it. We want to do more. So, and we like these like deep dives where we're, you know, these are people that affected our childhoods. And I feel like they're kind of like the unsung heroes. of have like toy industry. We like designer toys. We want to support designer toy makers. Noah being a designer toy maker, we get to see both sides of it. And it's great to have Hasbro toys and, you know, NECA toys and all that stuff. But, you know, these guys that are like they're working for a living, doing it professionally. A lot of love going into their product. Uh, they just want to see people enjoy their their art. It's art, and uh, we want to bring more of that. So going forward, we want more interviews. Uh, we want you know to talk more about these independent artists. Yeah, uh,
0: I, some someone say we're uh, we're going to change the game. Right on, way to change the game.
1: <laughs> uh, where can where people find David again, Carl? Yeah, so David can be found at Turtle Milk Studios on Instagram. He can be found on Facebook at Turtle Milk Studios. And most importantly, he has a Patreon that is patreon.com slash which is his last name. I'm going to spell it. A-R-S-H-A-W-S-K-Y. Patreon.com slash Arshowski. He's got a few membership levels available. Uh, He's got like a newsletter. You guys can check it out. His art's fantastic. We're big fans. So you guys should go check it out and support.
0: Yeah, and he makes a nice bridge between like, because I feel like sometimes there's a wall between designer toys and like mainline toy collectors, Mm -hmm. but David has been in both worlds. And his designer toy stuff that he's done is super cool. Obviously his mainline toy stuff is super cool. Um, So check him out and like maybe uh, he would be a good gateway into designer toys if anyone's interested.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, So thanks guys for listening. We had a great time. You guys can find us on all the platforms. We're on Apple podcasts. We're on Stitcher, Spotify. Are Uh, we on Twitter? We do have a Twitter. It is play with it pod on Twitter. Instagram, we're at Play With It Podcast Show. We're pretty active on there. We're usually showing our toys, board games on there. Uh, yeah, we're pretty reactive. And I think something uh, that
0: might be fun to kind of do is for future segments that we have, like uh, the one last episode about overspending. Uh, maybe we'll throw it out to our Twitter and Instagram followers to get some of their input that we might share on the show. So if you guys are interested in having a story or being a part of the show. Keep an eye out on those. And uh, when we ask for that stuff, if you contribute, the odds are really high we're going to use what you use at this point. (laughs) But we're growing. We're growing every day. So yeah, um, and it's all thanks to you guys. And uh, I know sometimes I get a little sappy on this show and uh, that's because I'm just a sappy dude. And uh, I know I, I can speak for Carl when I say like, we really appreciate you guys. We mostly appreciate each other because we definitely
1: do this mostly to hang out,
0: but we also appreciate you and uh, it, it's been a lot of fun so far. So thank you.
1: Yeah, that's well said. And uh, we do it out of love and uh, we've been enjoying the community. That's uh, being allowed to be a part of most of all. So thank you guys for listening. Email us at mail at play with it, for any kind of comments or um Any shenanigans you want to throw our way. But uh, yeah, man, Uh, play us out, Noah. Play with it.